Everybody needs a little boost in the middle of their week. I'm glad you're joining us. My name is Gabe Kolstad with Westside Community Church, and we're here with the midweek motivation episode of the Westside Podcast, where we just try to offer some short, practical help to get you going in the middle of your week and keep you positive and encouraged and energized, give you some ideas and tips for growing in your life and in your faith. This month, we're focusing in on some practical next steps out of our weekend teachings in our Stranger Things series, kind of going back into the vault to pull up some of our best content. So let's jump in. Today, we're going to be talking about a message called Grit That Won't Quit. (laughs) And I want you to know there is a raging war for your life, and there is a way you can reclaim your victory. And we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, There is a few years ago, a famous fugitive was captured in the Middle East. He'd been tracked and watched for years. Finally, when his guard was down, his captors grabbed him in the middle of a busy crowd. He was arrested, questioned, and then endured a series of trials in courts all across the region. Of course, he claimed innocence and even said he was on a mission from God. His case escalated and he was thrown on a transport ship full of prisoners headed for Italy. A strong storm developed in the Mediterranean Sea, and the ship's passengers broke out in pandemonium. One of them wrote, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Everyone was hopeless, except the fugitive. He knew something the others didn't, and it changed the way he responded in the storm. We're going to be talking about how you could respond in your storm today. I don't know what your storm is, but I have a hunch that there's not a single person watching online today or right here in our, on site in our auditorium, not a single person, not a single child in our children's ministry today, not a single student who's gathered with our student ministry today, not a person that lives in our region, the Portland metro area. There is not a single soul in our state, nobody in the United States of America not, not one person in the entire world today is living without a storm of some kind. And how you respond it determines what happens next. And we want to talk about that today because it's so important that you and me, we don't just give up. And that's, that's what the temptation is. So I want to share a passage with you that's been on my heart for a long time. And it, it drives me, honestly, in those dark days. It drives me in those times when the storm seems like it's bad. It seems like we're, we're headed for disaster. And it's from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And I chose uh, today a, a little different version of the Bible because it speaks so clearly about what this really intended to say to you and me. So if you have your message notes, maybe you've got the printed copy right here on site, maybe you're using the app or you're, uh, you've just got your Bible open somewhere, I want you to see Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it says this, it says, those Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Wouldn't it be great if the next storm that comes your way, you could smile when you see it coming. You could be like, oh, I know how this ends. You could be like, oh, it's going to feel like everything's going to be a mess. But the truth is, we're going to make it through just fine. And you know what? You know what's going to happen? We're going to be stronger on the other side. We're going to be better. We're going to be faster. We're going to be smarter. We're going to be more loving. We're going to be better people. We're going to have better relationships. I mean, like our lives will be better on the other side of this storm than they are right now. 
Apparently, Isaiah was convinced of this when he wrote these words in Isaiah 40, 31. Those that, what? Wait on the Lord will gain new strength. So we're going to talk about how in the world does that happen. But I, I did some research this week, and I was blown away at what I learned. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like, God, are you sure that's what you meant? Are you sure that's what you said? Are you sure that's what that means? Because when I looked at what the word wait in the Old Testament passage, Isaiah 40, 31, it's the Hebrew word kava. When I saw what that meant, I was like, no way. You gotta be kidding me. Because it refers to strands. And you could think of this in a couple of ways. You could think of strands as like, you make a rope out of strands, right? And it becomes stronger the more strands that you have. But the other way that scholars look at this is to go, you know what else you do with strands? A spider makes a web out of strands. And the imagery that we're given by these scholars is to go, you know what it's like when a spider builds their web? And you know how spiders are never panicked? Those sneaky little devils. <laughs> oh no, what do they do? They spin a web, right? And they put it in just the right spot because they probably study what's happening beforehand. And they're like, well, I see that fly buzzing around in that corner all the time. I'm gonna go spin a web right there, and then what is the spider gonna do? Wait, right? Lurk in the corner and just calmly, you know, probably sipping a latte, just sitting there, wait, not hurried, not panicked, knows exactly what's gonna happen. That's what the word wait means. Wait on the Lord, not like a predator, but like a recipient to go, oh no, I've seen God's activity. I know exactly how he works. I've studied it, I've watched it, I've experienced it, and so here's what I'm gonna do when I see a storm coming, I'm gonna spin a web, and I'm gonna put it right in the middle of God's activity. You know what I'm gonna do when the storm happens? Wait. I want you to start thinking about what would your life look like if you took a different approach to trouble, took a different approach to pain or anxiety, or temptation? What if you took a different approach to storms and adversity in your life? Because Isaiah wrote Isaiah 40, 31 in a time when the Israelites were at the lowest of the low. They were stuck in captivity. They had, as a nation, gone the wrong way knowingly. You know how you do that sometimes? We're all boneheads, right? And we just, we go do the wrong thing. We know. And they did it. And it cost them dearly. And they were dragged off into captivity and they were stuck there for a long, long time. And Isaiah, Isaiah writes these words to encourage them that even in that situation, those that wait on the Lord will gain new strength. And, and so I want, you to, I want you to learn with me today, because here's the problem that I have with this is, one, I'm an active person. In other words, I like to be proactive. I'm a doer. I'm an achiever by nature, which means it's just a bit of a sickness because it means that every time a problem comes up, I just want to make a list of the things that I need to do to fix it. And it's simple that way, right? My, my wife loves when she shares a problem with me and I'm like, oh, no problem. Let's just, let me get my paper out, my pen. Let's just make a 13 step list and let's just go after it, you know? And sometimes that's not exactly what we need to do. And so I feel like I often get in the way of God. I don't know if you ever do this or not, but like God's, God's going, there's a word that I wanted you to learn called wait. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, but that's for other people you know, that maybe don't have like the way to make the list. Maybe don't have the right list making skills. And, and so like for me, you know, God, you know me, I'm just going to go do my thing and it's going to be 
probably fix it, you know? And I want you to know that if you're like me, uh, one of the struggles we have is, is feeling okay waiting on the Lord. But then others might not, might have the exact opposite problem. And so it's almost like there's this balance between God's part and my part. And what the problem with all of this is that you can't have victory unless you know how to distinguish the line between what God is supposed to do and what you are supposed to do, and then to respond appropriately to that. So if you haven't learned that skill yet, then you're in deep weeds. <laughs> Here's what I want you to know. We're going to preview that thought today. But where you're really going to get the real deal is this week on our podcast. And so I hope that you'll listen this week because I'm going to actually talk about how do you know exactly the difference between God's part and your part. But let's look at how we actually do this. I want you to learn how to gain new strength today. So number one in your notes is this, is we learn new strength, we gain new strength by doing this first thing. Wait on his part. We've got to wait on his part. What does that mean? That means don't make your list before, before he, you know, gets a chance to weigh in on the decision. Don't, don't go like, hey, there's a problem, I'm going to solve it, you know. I think Vanilla Ice said that. If there is a problem, yo, I'll solve it, right? I think that's what he said. So I kind of got that ingrained into my, you know, my brain as a teenager, listening to that song so many times. And we all do that, like, hey, we can fix this. And what the problem with that is, is sometimes we get out ahead and we, you know, here's the thing, we're going in a different direction than God wants to go. And, and, and we mess it up. We're active, we're busy, we're doing stuff, we're getting stuff done, but we're 100% in the wrong direction or we're five degrees off course. And you know what happens if you're five degrees off course, feels good for a little bit, and then it's disastrous. And that happens a lot in life. So... Uh, in Acts chapter 27, we learn something about this fugitive. And I want you to see what Acts chapter 27, verses 22 to 26 say. Paul was the fugitive that I was talking about earlier. And it says in Acts 27 that he was on this ship that was uh, in trouble because they had had a shipwreck in Acts chapter 27. He was being transported from Jerusalem to Italy. And along the way, they hit some problems in the Mediterranean Sea. And everybody thought they were going to die. But Paul said this in chapter 27, verse 22. He said, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. I mean, how would you like that kind of prediction in your life? Uh, what? I'd like to have you rephrase that. <laughs> you, ever, you ever thought about what would happen if everything in your life suddenly just blew up? Like you lost your job, you lost your house, you know, all your friends left. What, like that would be the ship going down, right? And you think to yourself, that would be the end of my life. But Paul's like, actually, might be the beginning of your life. And maybe that's where some of us are today. He said in, in verse 23, for last night an angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. <laughs> What's more... God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. If you're taking notes, underline this phrase, for I believe God. Take courage, for I believe God who gave me this message. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> 
It's like Jesus in Matthew 16, 33. He goes, hey, don't worry about it. In this world, here's a guarantee. You're going to have a lot of trouble. That's what Jesus said. And the apostles were like, thanks a lot, Jesus. It's true, right? Who's, who's going to be without trouble in this world? This world's a mess right now. It's falling apart, don't you think? And, uh, and so we look around and we're like, God, where did you go? And he's like, what do you mean? This is what, what I've been talking about the whole time is that it was going to be like this. But those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Paul's like, yeah, the ship's going to go down, but we're all going to make it. And he said, God himself told me that. I like that. I think that's really important perspective that we could all have. And, uh, and one of the things that we find in Acts chapter 1, actually, this is kind of an interesting parallel because the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and we see a lot of words repeated. And so this word wait that was um, used in the Old Testament is also the Greek version of that word is used in the New Testament in Acts chapter 1 when, if you've, if you've ever heard the story of the beginning of the church. It was in Jerusalem, and it was on the day of Pentecost. And what happened was that the apostles were waiting because Jesus had died and had been risen from the dead. And he said, he said, wait here. That's what he said. Wait here. And, and so they were like, okay, we're waiting. What's supposed to happen? And they were waiting because he said, I'm going to send my spirit. And when he shows up, things are going to change. When he shows up, when the spirit comes upon you, you're going to have power, he said and you're going to be my witnesses. And so that began this revolutionary movement of followers of Jesus banding together in something called the church that literally turned the, the city of Jerusalem upside down. Uh, scholars say there were anywhere from six, uh, upwards of 60,000 believers in the church in Jerusalem meeting on a regular basis, which was a huge percentage of the population. And things changed in that city. And people were healed in that city. And People, you know, their lives were, were completely revolutionized for the better. And it said they were waiting. And that same word, wait, it means to remain or abide steady, listen, regardless of the obstacles involved. I mean, what, what would you do, you know, if your ship was going down? I uh, have some, some items that we might you know, we might think about if our ship was going down, right? We got a life jacket, we got an oar. And I think for me, I would go uh, grab the life jacket and the oar at the, at the hint that there was going to be trouble, right? And I would make a list and I would make sure these buckles were buckled tight, you know, and I would, all that stuff. And what Paul, what God is saying is, wait, first thing, wait on his part. Wait on his part, because you don't even know what his part is until you've waited on his part. In Psalm 5.3, it says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Oh, man, that's good. You see, there's even an active role that you take in waiting, which is the ironic part. We think of waiting, and it's like, you know, just sit there, just do nothing, just think nothing, just meditate and make, make your brain completely empty. And that is not what God is talking about when he says wait. There's an active posture to waiting the way that we're talking about here. And, and what does David say in that Psalm 5.3? He goes, in the morning, I lay my request before you. You can picture the spider in the web, can't you? I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. He's back in the corner sipping on a latte, just waiting for God's activity to land in his, in his web because he knows it's going to happen. 
And it's a beautiful expectation that God, that God says, I want you to have this waiting in anticipation. Another, another version of that same passage said, I wait in wild anticipation. That's awesome. I mean, think about it. When you have a problem, do you, do you just wait for God in wild anticipation of what he's going to do? Probably most of us know. We just complain about it. We use words we shouldn't use. You know, we, we, we make gestures we shouldn't gesture. We do, we do crazy stuff. We make bad decisions. We try to cover up our pain and our anxiety with stuff. And, and then we're like, God, why aren't you changing things? And he's going, well, you're taking the wrong approach. What I wanted you to do was to go ahead and spin your web and then sit there in the corner until I work. And, and that's what he's up to. So when you are tempted to give up all hope, instead, wait like a spider. Wait like a spider. I remember when our daughter was four days old. I think she was four days old, Caitlin. And we were so excited to have this little tiny, and this girl was tiny. I mean, she was born tiny. She was tiny for the longest time. She's still tiny. Um, she was so little. I felt like I was carrying around an actual doll, you know? And she got sick. I think she was four days old. And we had to take her to the hospital. And they thought that she had meningitis. And we were terrified. I remember those few days. We were terrified that our little baby girl was, you know, in grave danger because they told us that she was. And, and we remember this, one of the most horrible images that I can never get out of my mind was when they had to do a spinal tap on her at just a few days old. And it's like, how do you bend over a human being's back like that, you know, and, and, not, and not torture? And it's like, you're killing it. My wife was trying to, to you know, inflict damage on the doctor. <laughs> She's like, get away from my daughter. You know, you're hurting her. And it's like, well, they had to do this. We were doing a spinal tap on this little tiny girl. And we were so terrified that she wasn't going to make it. And God pulled her through. She did not have meningitis. And we were so grateful. You know, it was that moment of waiting in terror, right? How do you do that? I remember when our son Dawson was a few years ago on tour with his band, and they were in Missouri. And we had been trying to keep in touch with them, but it was, you know, a bunch of 19-year-old boys, 18, 19-year-old boys, and it's like, would you guys please charge your phones at night so we can call you during the day? You know, stuff like that. And so one time, I think we got a text or a phone call, and it was like this broken-up message, like, wind very strong, driving 100 miles an hour away from the tornado. Like, what? <laughs> We couldn't get a hold of them for a while, and it's like, what are you, are you kidding me? You guys are getting in a tornado, and they were like chasing a tornado in Missouri and then running from the tornado, and, and we're just like, oh, God, this is not how we wanted it to end for our son, you know? And those moments, I guess what I'm saying is nothing's going to test your patience like parenting, right? Nothing's going to make you have to figure this out like being in relationship with another human being. Isn't it funny that God put us in relationship with other human beings? But you think about it as, as a, um, sometimes you think about it as a uh, deficit. But actually, in some ways, the hardest people in your life are God's tool for creating the best character in your life. And I think we've got to look at that and go, it's a gift, actually. I know it doesn't feel like a gift. The hardest situations in your life are a gift to create the best character in your life and then to yield the best blessings. Because when you wait on the Lord, he says you're going to gain 
new strength. In other words, you're going to come out of this trial stronger than you were before. It's like Job. If you ever read the Old Testament book of Job, which, by the way, is an exercise in patience in itself. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. It's worth it. But it's kind of like have some extra coffee handy um, because it takes a while to get through it. And you're reading this, this account of Job's life going like, how horrible. Could it get any worse? Yep, it can get worse. <laughs> it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But at the end, we see this restoration, a double portion of restoration for Job's life. Everything he had lost, he was given back twice. Wow. And, and that's what God, when he says, you're going to get new strength. For a second, could you just imagine double? I think part of our problem is we can't even imagine double. You can't even imagine twice as many blessings. You can't even imagine twice as much influence. You can't imagine twice as much peace. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe if we could imagine it, we could say, God, I want you to give it to me, and he would actually do it. We could spin that web and go, God, would you double it? Double the blessings. Thank you so much for joining us for a little midweek motivation. I hope you have a great week. I want to just ask you to do two quick things. Number one, would you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of the content we want to help you with in the coming weeks? And secondly, consider popping by a Westside service either on site right here in our Portland, Oregon area campus or uh, online. And you can find out more either way about our Sunday services at westsidecommunitychurch.com. We'll see you soon.